Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. It's so good to see you turning your Bibles to Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30 is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning. And uh, if you're visiting this morning, just want to let you know, but this is a this is not a typical service. We have uh, we normally go through a book of the book of the Bible, and, and we or we have a sermon series that we normally do. And and this is a this is a time for us to take a break and just kind of evaluate where we're doing, how we're doing. And really, what does God have next for us? If I look in, in, our, in our calendar, preaching calendar, I realize we have not had a Vision Sunday in about two years. And it's, it's been a while. And, and a lot of that's just because of the craziness of COVID. It just felt, I don't know about you, but it just felt like the disruption of that and, and how much it just felt like every three months it was, oh, now we've got to adapt to this and now we've got to adapt to that. And so um, we are super excited now to, to be able to share some things with you that God has been working in, in my heart, the elders' hearts, and uh, it's just, God has been so good to us in our church. I want to start with just celebrating what God has done. And, uh, you know, our church is a little bit different. Most churches, if you talk to uh, pastors, I, I meet with a pastor's group every month, a pastors of Lake Norman group, and, and every, every pastor would tell you that all of their churches are different than they were two, two and a half years ago prior to COVID. And our church is no different. We, we are a different church than we were two and a half years ago. But we went through a significant disruption, not just the COVID disruption, that we, we went through a disruption four years ago. Uh, we went through a leadership transition. And so not only did we have uh, you know, the COVID things that just kind of made church crazy for a lot of people, but we also went through a leadership transition. And so for two of those things to happen to one church, um, it, it, there's a lot of churches that have not seen God do as much in our church. I'm just, I'm so thankful for that. But I've got a few things that I think I want, I want to let you guys know about that we can just celebrate God's goodness and God's working in, in, our, in our midst. The first one is this. We, in, the, in the last couple of years, we've been able to, to fund um, 500 church plants in India and, and another 150,000, an extra 25,000. And th- that, is, that is unbelievable. When you think, and those 500 churches represent 500 villages that at, right now are hearing the name of Jesus that have never heard Jesus before. Is that not awesome? Amen. That is so awesome to think about. The, the other thing that we want to rejoice in is that last year in 2021, we gave more money to missions in, 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 the, in the history of our church. No matter what we've gone through, we gave more money in 2021 than any year previously. And in this calendar year, 2022, we are looking at topping that number. And so when you think about what we're able to do with the resources that you guys give to missions, and we have our monthly missions emphasis every single month, and we just see you guys be so faithful and so generous to these things. And here's what we can say because of uh, because of what God's doing in us, that the gospel is going forward in, in many of the darkest places across the world because of your generosity. And I, when I think about uh, you know, where we are partnering with people around the globe, I can say, honestly say this, there's not a time of the day where the sun is not shining, where, where the gospel is being proclaimed, a ministry that we're partnering with. And that's such a cool thing to think about. Another thing that we just want to rejoice in is that our giving and our attendance has rebounded um, to almost pre-pandemic levels. And that is, that's not normal. There's so many churches that are like 50% attendance or, or 60% attendance or, or whatever. And, and based on last Sunday, I haven't looked at all the numbers yet, but based on last Sunday, 
uh, just the numbers that we have people attending, people watching. Um, we're at 90% of where we were prior to COVID, which is an unbelievable blessing, especially for a church of our size. That, that is an outlier. That's not normal. And we thank God for that. Uh, we also are giving in our budget year. Last year was only a, a couple percentage points off from the previous year, the year prior to COVID. And so, man, God has been so good, so faithful. One more thing I want to rejoice in. Because of the success of Little Life Academy and the enrollment, we've been over the last five years to pay down a half a million dollars of debt for this building. And so these are all things that we can rejoice in, we can be grateful for, that God has been faithful to us. Amen? Amen. Well, here's what I know, and, and that is this. Sometimes when we see God do things or when we feel success or, or we sense like, oh man, we, we kind of hit that next level, it's, complacency is one of the easiest places to be as a church. And as a pastor and as a leader, one of the leaders of this church, one of the things that has been stirring in my heart throughout the whole COVID thing, because it's kind of like, okay, who's here, who's not here, who's coming, who's leaving? And, and really it came down to, there was some stirring in my heart to say, man, what, God, what do you have next for us? And one of the, the, I want to share with you a, a brief story that, that really started about a year ago, back in November of 2021. The elders and I, we, we started having conversations about, you know, what kind of church do we want to be by 2030? You know, we're, we were just coming out of COVID, and we thought we were just coming out of COVID, and, you know, we, we got COVID's wonderful Christmas gift, Omicron, that just left us all just with a wonderful gift that we got to celebrate. We all got that uh, during the Christmas season. But, but really, our mindset was, God, what do you have for us in the next season of our church. And we had just been through a lot of, like I said, we've been through a lot of disruptions. And so what was that going to be? And so what, what the elders and, and I decided to do, we decided to pray and fast for 40 days. And so we, we, we prayed every day. We had a list of prayers that we were praying through. And every one of us, there were seven elders at the time, we each took a different day of the week to fast. And we just, we took 40 days to seek the Lord and saying, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for this church? And, and that was, that's a really important thing for us to do because the last thing I wanted to do was come out and say, okay, let's get our church back to normal. Let's get the giving and let's get to the next numerical metric of, of attendance or let's get to the next number of giving. And, and to me, there was something stirring in my heart. I said, I, God, there's got to be something more than that. And so one of the things that, that we started praying is God started making clear what that next thing was. It was right before we went away on our, on our elder retreat. And when we were away on our elder retreat, not, you know, we, a lot of evaluation, a lot of, okay, here's what's good, here's what we need to work on. But, but we, we ended our time in January of 2022 with a very clear focus of saying, this is the kind of church we want to be, and this is the kind of church we want to be in 2030. And, and it, was, it was a really, okay, this is, we got a very clear vision that God, we believe that God had given to us. Now, here's the question that you might be asking. If God gave us as elders the clarity of this vision in 20, or back in January 2022, why are we just having this conversation now? You ever think about that? And the reason for that was a couple of reasons. Number one, we wanted to make sure we kept praying. We wanted to make sure we kept seeking the Lord. 
And the other thing we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that, that this, we felt like this was such a, such a big, important vision that God had given to us that we wanted to take our time to really make sure we, we, we shared this methodically. We wanted to make sure that this vision was, was not just, hey, announced from the stage, but that we ourselves as leaders began to embody this, that we would begin to live this out, that we ourselves would begin to form, conform our lives and orient our lives around what God was calling us to do. That was really important for us. We didn't want to get in front of you and say, hey, here's the vision, now you guys go do it. We wanted to make sure that we were modeling what we were going to ask. And so over the last few months, as we've been praying, as we've been planning, and as we have been seeking to live this out in our own lives, it's brought us to this point. And, and there's a passage of Scripture that has been this guardrail for me. It's been this north star in my spiritual walk with Jesus. And it's Isaiah 30. I'm not sure how many of you have ever read through Isaiah 30 or, or, or really studied Isaiah 30, but it's one of the most impactful passages of Scripture to me personally. I have read through this. I have prayed through this so many times this year. As, as elders, we have discussed this passage. As a staff, we have talked about this passage. This is a, this is a passage of Scripture now I want to share with you and I'm asking you to respond to this morning. But it's, it's a passage that keeps me accountable. And I believe should keep all of us accountable to what God wants for us in this church. And it starts with this. And to set the context of this, Isaiah is a prophet around the reign, during the time of the reign of King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah is a king. He's a good king. But the, the nation of Judah is going under a massive uh, challenge. What has just happened is Assyria, the northern kingdom, uh, a, a kingdom uh, has just attacked the northern kingdom of Israel and has conquered it. They are on the doorsteps of Judah, and they, they are licking their chops, ready to take down Judah and own them as well. And so Hezekiah is wondering what to do, and there's only one other world power that they can rely upon that has the strength and the might to possibly fight against the Assyrians to protect their own sovereignty. And so now what they are thinking about doing is making an alliance, a military political alliance with Egypt to say, hey, if, if we're buddies, can you protect us against Assyria? And Isaiah shares this, this message from Yahweh to his people during the season to say, don't do that. I have a plan that's better than your plan. And listen to what he says in verse 1. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord who carry out a plan, but not mine, who make an alliance, but not by my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. See, one of the things that, I have been, that I've been burdened by on a regular basis, almost a daily basis, that God, whatever that we're going to do as a church, that we're going to do your plan. We're going to do things your way. We don't, I don't want to do my thing. I don't want to look around the landscape and be like, well, that's church's going. Let's do what they're doing. Or I read a book and say, let's do what that book says. You know, there's so many, so many things that we can do in life are things that are of our own, our own intellect, our own wisdom, our own power. It makes complete logical sense for Judah to go down to Egypt and say, protect us, take care of us. 
And look what he says in verse 2. Who set down to go to Egypt without asking for my direction to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Each of those things, he was saying, look at those words, refuge, shelter, shadow. What he was saying, if you, if you ever read the Psalms of David in the, Psalms, in, in the book of Psalms, these are terms that were meant to be for God and God alone for his people. And he's saying, you're, doing, you're going about your plan your way. Now, this, this, is a, this is a passage that I believe confronts all of us. Because the question I want to ask you this morning is, what plan have you been carrying out for your life? As much as, this, as, much as COVID has disrupted so many churches and, and made so many people switch churches, and there's just been a, a giant upheaval it's, you know, in, in most congregations, the question I want to ask you is, This morning, as you hear what God has to say to his people, whose plan have you been carrying out? Whose plan have you been pursuing in your own life? And as much as we want to do this as a church, we will not be able to do this as a church if we ourselves individually are living out our plan for our life. We can't, just go, we can't just come to our church and do our church thing and, and enjoy church. Oh, that was just a great service. Wasn't that a great service? Oh, that was such a great service. That was a great service. Did you enjoy that service? I enjoyed that service. Did you enjoy that service? All right, we just enjoy the services together. But we go home on a Monday through Saturday, we just do our own thing. I think as long as we're enjoying services on Sundays, but we're living out our plans Monday through Saturday, we're not going to see God work in our church the way that he wants to. We're not going to see God work in this nation the way that he wants to. And so, so there's this confrontation. And look how God, he, he's, there's, there's things that they're doing. They're not listening to God. They don't want to listen to the prophets. They don't want to listen to God's ways. But look at God's heart. I want you to see God's heart in this moment. And verse 15 says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. Return to me, he's what he's saying. That word is, is the word that's translated repentance many times. If you repent and turn back to me, don't do your own plan, but you do my plan, then you will be saved. And in quietness and trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. And he goes on to say, you know, you, you wanted the, the horses, you wanted the chariots of Egypt, and here's what you'll see. This is what he tells them. If, there, if there's 10,000 of you, you'll run away at one person. That there's no way that you can accomplish my work and my will and my plan on your own. And this is the confrontation for all of us in our own lives and for our church, that we are not going to do things our way, in our own power, in our own will. We can, but I don't want to do that. I don't want that to, to be the story of, of this church that we are here to do our own thing in our own way. And so, so then look down at verse 18. This is, again, you see the heart of God. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are those who wait for him. He's saying this, I'm waiting for you. I have a plan. I want to bless you. I want to, I, want to, I want to restore you. I want to do good things to you. But I'm waiting for you to wait for me. I want you to want me. I want you to want what I want. I want you to reorient your life to my plan for you. Look what this plan looks like. For a people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, 
yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. See, God promises his people that if you come to me, if you return to me, I will give you the plan. But you got to stay close, and you got to listen. And it can't be, it can't be I'm going to do my own thing and then ask God to bless it. That's, so, that's what we do so many times in our lives. We, we make our own plans, and then, and then we pray over it and say, God, you bless this plan. And what God is asking us to do is to conform our will to his saying, I want you to hear my voice. I believe this, these two verses that he shares here about you will see your teacher and you will hear this voice behind you saying, go this way. I believe this is a direct fulfillment of the, the incarnation of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit to his church. We've seen this and we have the opportunity now to live this out, what is promised in Isaiah 30. And so, so as, as this has been this, this guardrail for me, this north star for us spiritually, there's two convictions that have driven me out of this passage that have really gotten me up every single morning. Because I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'm not interested in just making sure that our church goes from one number to the next. I'm not interested in just making sure our budget is 10% larger than this next year than it was the past year. That's, that's not why I get up in the morning. That's not what drives me. What does, it doesn't drive me to say, okay, let's, 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 let's teach another great sermon series. I love doing that, but that's not why I get out of bed in the morning. And the reason why I do what I do, the reason why I, 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 I get out of bed, the reason why I get up here and preach every Sunday, the reason I come to work every Sunday or every weekday morning that, that I'm here is this. I believe that a movement of God is possible. I believe that, God, that a movement of God is possible in our world today. Uh, and, and this is something that for, uh, for many of us, we've never seen, we've never experienced. And what I mean by a movement of God is that when we see the light pushing back the darkness, that's what I mean is a movement of God. And we have seen, we, this nation has seen movements of God in the past. And we're seeing movements of God all around the world. And so it's not a God problem. It's not a problem as if God, God is more interested in these people than this people. What we see from this passage is the Lord waits to be gracious to people who will call on his name who and who will wait for him. The problem is, for all of us, we have been doing our plan, living out our lives in our own way. And God will not bless us. And he will not move, his spirit will not move in our midst. And he will not push against the darkness unless we come to him. And so it's this confrontation that, that we've got to believe that um, is a movement of God possible? You know, in the history of this nation, we've seen movements of God. First, all, all the way in the very beginning from the Great Awakening, and then there was a second Great Awakening, and then you had the revivals of, of the early 1900s, and, and then you had the, the crusade movement of, of post-World War II, and, and then you had the Jesus movement of the late 60s and 70s, which was the, the baby boomer generation. But the baby boomer generation of, of America was the last generation to see a movement of the Holy Spirit, to see a, a, a wide uh, movement of, the, of people coming to know Jesus. And, and, and so after the baby boomers, we, we now have, uh, you know, Gen Xers. That's the generation I'm a part of. My generation has never seen a movement of the Holy Spirit. Then we had the millennial generation. And the millennial generation has never seen a movement of the Holy Spirit. And now we have Generation Z. 
and the Gen Zers have never seen a movement of the Holy Spirit. We are now three generations in, in the history of our nation that has never seen a movement of the Holy Spirit. And there's a reason, there's a reason why we're doing this series now called Thriving in Babylon, because all of us know that Babylon's darkness is growing every day, every week, every year. We're seeing darkness invade the light. And I believe, but here, here's what we know, based on what God's word says, and on the truth, and in the power of the resurrection, we believe this, that the light is greater than the darkness, is it not? And if we're not seeing the light overcome the darkness, the problem is not with God, the problem is with us. And we've got to come to God and say, God, we want you to move. So that's the first driving conviction. The second driving conviction is this, that our plan would be God's plan. That's the second thing. I don't want to do anything because it was a great idea. We've done, we've, done, we've done a lot of great ideas. We've done a lot of good ideas, but there have been so few God ideas. And one of the scariest things to me, here's one of the scariest things to me as a pastor leading a church in 21st century America is that we have the money, we have the abilities, we have the skill, we have the wisdom to grow a church in North America today. And that should scare us. Because there's so many times that we can see, we can see things happening in, in, in the religious realm. We can see churches grow and we can say, well, what is that? And, and we can look and say, oh, that, 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 look at the great leadership. Look at the great plan. Look at the great program. Look at the great funding. But where's, where's the great God in our, in, in, our, in our midst. And what we don't see today is we don't see the spirit move. We don't see convictions of sin. We don't, we don't see people caring about holiness anymore. And God's calling us to live differently. And I, here's what I'm committing to you. As long as I'm breathing breath and as long as I'm behind this pulpit, my desire is for us to do God's things God's way. Nothing more nothing less. And so what is that plan? What is the plan that God has for us? And, and I wish I could share everything with you. All right. I wish I could, I wish I could uh, back up the dump truck and unload everything that I feel like God is calling our church to do, but I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to share with you the first step that he's calling our church to do. Because if we don't get this step right, all the other steps won't happen. They, they, they just won't. We won't be able to see the other things that I believe God has, is calling us to do. But, but here's, here's what I believe God's plan is for us. And this is not earth-shattering. It's not mind-blowing. It's some of the most basic things, the most basic practices and values that the people of God have always had. But I believe the church of Jesus Christ have walked away from these. And that is this, prayer and evangelism. Prayer and evangelism. It, it may not be earth-shattering to our understanding, or, or into, in, you know, as we listen to this, but these two practices are earth-shattering in the world. Because when the people of God pray, and when the people of God share Jesus, the Spirit of God moves. Every single movement of the Spirit that you can look and say, why did this happen? You can, put, you can say, because of this. Because people were seeking God. People were seeking the glory, of he, the glory of the name of Jesus and not their own comfort. And people wanted to share someone that, they had, that had transformed their own lives. 
And so, so these two things, and I was talking to another pastor friend of mine a few months ago, and he said, and, he, and he's, he's well-seasoned, uh, leads a very large church, and one of the things he said is the two hardest things to get an American Christian to do is to pray and to share their faith. Two hardest things. Think about, think about your own life. What are the two hardest things that, that are the most, most difficult to consistently dedicate yourself to? Now, I know in every church, you have the prayer warriors and you have the, you have the evangelists. I know if you're sitting there this morning, you're saying, man, I share Jesus you know, 300 times a year. Praise God. Thank you for what you do. But the far majority of us don't do that. And the far majority of us are not looking for the power of God in our lives. We, we, we might want, again, we're looking for God to, what we're saying, God, fix this problem, but don't, but leave me alone. When we seek the Lord and when we pray, how many times do we pray, God, fix this problem in my life, but don't, don't ask me to change, don't ask me to, to transform, don't ask me to submit myself to you. God, will, God is not a problem fixer. He is a life transformer. And he, he's not interested in fixing your problems if you do not come to him with a whole heart, soul, mind, and strength and say, God, I don't care what you do. I just want you to get the glory. That's what God's interested in. So these are the things we're going to commit to. These are, these are the action steps and the priorities I believe we've got to get back to because these are the two things that, that our church has been weakened. And, and, and that's the next question is, why is this important now? This is important now because we as a church have, have traditionally been weak in these areas. Now, I'm not saying that we never pray. There are times we pray. In prayer, here's what I would say. For Life Fellowship Church, prayer is an activity. And I think there's things that we do do that are prayer-related. But prayer is not an adjective for us. We may pray, but we're not a praying church yet. And that's something we've got to change. That's something we've got to, we've got to say, God, we've been, maybe we rely too much on our wealth. Maybe we're too concerned about our own things. Maybe we're just not aware of what God's doing. But here's the thing. We've got to get back to getting on our knees and seeking God personally and seeking God corporately. We've got to pray like we've never prayed before. And we've got to share our faith like we've never shared before. And so this is, this is a growth, this is the greatest growth opportunity for our church right now. If we want to see the Spirit of God work, we've got to address the weaknesses of this church and say, God, you've got to change us. And, and, and so we've got to pray like we've never prayed before. And, and there's, a, there's a slide I want you to show because a few weeks ago we did, our, we did a survey here and that was super helpful. We're still going through the data. I can't wait to share so much more with you. But there's one graph I want you to see that, that shows why we've got to get back to practicing sharing our faith. The question 11, when you professed faith in Christ, was this something that happened to you here at Life Fellowship or somewhere else? 4%. Only 4% of the people, the 450 plus people that responded to this, only 4% could say it happened here. Guys, that, that has to change. And this is, and, and listen, this, this is one of the great things that, that is true about our church. One of the great strengths about our church is we love studying and learning about the Bible. Amen. I mean, we love it. We love, we love Daniel. We love going deep. We love, I mean, we just love learning about things. We love Bible studies. We love our Bible studies. And, 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 and here's the thing that is so true about Life Fellowship. We love to go deep, 
but we don't love to go out. And, if, and I believe this. God wants both. God is not satisfied with one. And he's not satisfied with the other. He wants it all. And there's, there's a great... I've been reading through the, um, through the book of Revelation. Liz and Hallie and I, um, after, after we have our family meals, when we have our family meals together, we have our Bible reading time after dinner. And so we'll read the Bible. We're in the book of Revelation. We've been reading through the churches of Revelation. And one of the things that's true about every church in, this, in the seven churches of Revelation, when Jesus goes to the church, he says, hey, here's what you're doing well. And then he has this one phrase, but I have this against you. It's not for every church, but for most churches. And, and if, I, if, I, if Jesus was standing before you this morning, and he could share with you, I think he would say, Life Fellowship, I love how you love my word. I love how you love to go deep. I love how, you're, how generous you are with your money towards missions. It's a wonderful thing. But I have this against you. You don't seek me. And you don't share me with your friends and your neighbors. You're too consumed with your own life. And what I want you to do is I want you to come back to me. There's always a returning to Jesus that every church is called to do. I want you to return and do this. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I, I, I want, if this is a weakness in our church, let's stop letting it be a weakness. And let's do something about it. So the first thing is... Uh, this is, this is a greatest opportunity for growth in our church. The second reason why we need to do this is because our community needs it. We live in a community that doesn't think they need Jesus. They think they have it all. And, and one of the greatest opportunities we have to shine the light of Christ is to show people that you can't buy happiness. You can't buy joy and you can't buy hope. Those are things that are only given to us through Jesus Christ. And we have a great opportunity for us. If we want to push back against the darkness, at least the darkness in our own neighborhood, if we want to push against the darkness in our schools, if we want to push against the darkness in our workplaces, if we want to push against the darkness in Lake Norman, it begins with us being able to share Jesus and say, there is a new king that you need to submit to. And he's over this place. And we're asking that, that Lake Norman comes under the, the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to pray for, and that's what we want to seek. Our community needs it. Thirdly, love compels us. Love compels us. When we are, when we are captivated by the love of Jesus, then guess what? When we, we have, when we are captivated by the love of Jesus, it changes how we, how we talk about it. It changes how we talk about Jesus. And, and, and here's what I know. Whenever you and I have good news, we love to tell people about it. You know, you know, out here Sunday mornings. I love talking college football with college football fans. You know, you know who you are because you can tell the teams who lost, the guys are coming in like this Sunday mornings. Or, and, and some people are like, you know. And, and, and it's amazing, but, but here's one thing, you never, have to, you never have to pull teeth to talk about that kind of stuff. Why? Because it's good news. You're celebrating something. And how much more, how much more do we have to, a good news to share than how much God has changed us, how he has transformed us, how he has saved us from the pit of hell, how he has wiped away our sins. He's taken away our shame. And because of that, it gives me a love for people and a love for God that compels me to tell others about him. And then lastly, Jesus wants it. I, I, Jesus, this is what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to seek him. Right here, 
right here we're seeing, what, what does it say? The Lord waits to be gracious to you. He exalts himself to show you mercy. I love what it says in verse 15. In returning and in rest, you shall be saved. Come to me. I'm waiting for you. Look what it says he's, he's doing in, later on in verses 20. It says, though you have the, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. You have the spirit behind you saying, walk in this way. Go in this. One of the things God is saying in this text is, I want to help you. I want to change you. I want to transform you. I want, to, I want to do the things that your soul desires, but you've got to come back to me. Stop living out your own plan as a stubborn child. and Start, start aligning your plan with God's plan. It's not the Spirit's plan. We've got to do the Spirit's plan in our life. That's what Jesus wants for us in our church. So how are we going to do this? From the final moments we have together today, I just want, so, so what does this look like for Life Fellowship? What does this look like for the next few months? And here's what I'm going to say. We're going to take baby steps. We're not, we're not going to ask you to run a marathon. We're not going to ask you to, to do things that maybe are, are, are too challenging for you that you feel like you're a failure and you're, going to, you're, you're falling, oh, we tried it and it doesn't work. And so what we're going to do is, is, first we're going to start with prayer, some prayer initiatives I believe that can move the needle for us. The first thing that we're going to do, and you heard about it this morning announced in the, in the Look Through Life, is we're going to have a prayer summit Friday, September 30th. And this is going to be a prayer summit that we come together for a couple hours on a Friday night to seek the Lord to do something. We're going to let Isaiah 30 be our guide to pray and ask God to move in this church and to move in Lake Norman to move and ask God to, to change us and to align our plan with his. We will not align our plans. We won't give up our plans without us first repenting and saying, God, we need you. And I can't think of a better start to this than on September 30th having a prayer summit. Carol Ward's going to be here. She's going she's to help us. I, I was a part of some prayer things with her back down in Charlotte earlier in the year. And I'm super excited for you to hear her heart and passion and prayer. Because that's if you were here with us last year and heard her testimony, she has a testimony to share of changing the world through prayer and fasting. And I think she has some things for us to learn that, that God has taught her in the decades of ministry over in Africa. And then the second thing we're going to do is we're going to reinstitute a prayer response time at the end of our church services. This is something that we stopped during COVID. Remember, we had our, we had our communion tables up front and in the back, and then when COVID hit, we just kind of shut down all of that. And one of the things we want to get back to is that prayerful response time at the end of church services that people can come, whether as individuals or as families, come to the cross up front, go to the cross in the corner. As a family, come take communion together and pray together. We want, you to, we want there to be a, a spiritual response to the word of God and saying, God, how do you want me to live differently? How do you want us to change? So get us moving and, and doing things again. Now, here's what I will say. We haven't done this in two and a half years. And what we need from you, we need two or three people or couples that are willing to say, I'm willing to do communion setup. And if you're willing to do that, please go see Manny Santiago. He's out there in the, in the lobby, and he would love to talk with you. If you want to own that ministry, just get a communion set up so that, so that we can start responding in prayer on a regular, on a weekly basis after our services. And then lastly is this, and, and, and we're gonna, this is going to happen over a few weeks. And then, and then lastly, we're going to start a weekly prayer gathering. Now, I wish I could tell you all the details, 
They're written in pencil right now, or they're not in pen. But in the, in, I will be able to, in the next couple of weeks, unveil more things to you. But, but we're getting ready to ramp up a weekly prayer meeting, a weekly prayer gathering for our church that I'm so excited about. And, 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 uh, and as, as time comes, I'll share more. But hopefully within the next month, we'll be sharing with you what we're going to be doing for this and that we're going to invite you to participate in on a regular basis. So those are the things we're going to start doing to move the needle for us to become a praying church. So that's prayer. The next one is evangelism. What are we going to do to increase E? Well, we're going to change our E in our name life. Because one of the things that we've been doing is we are really good at embracing the Great Commission, but I'm not sure if we're really good at engaging in the Great Commission. You know, when, when you think about embracing, it's kind of like, oh, I, I, like, I like this. We all love the Great Commission, don't we? Oh, I, lo- I, love, I love the idea of people hearing about Jesus. And we love the Great Commission. We hug the Great Commission. I'm going to embrace it, you know. And I'll give you money, but I'm not going to do it. And so what we've got to do as a church is stop hugging the Great Commission and stop giving money to the Great Commission and start speaking the Great Commission. Start living it out. So what we're going to do is we're going to change our E in life to engaging in the Great Commission. I know this is, it's more, this is more of a symbolic gesture. This, this doesn't change everything, but I believe it does this. I believe it changes the expectation that God wants for us, that we can't opt out of this. When Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples, it was not like, go make disciples if you feel like it. Go make disciples if you really really, you know, are, know all of the answers in the Bible. Go make disciples if you feel, you know, no, go make disciples. There's no caveat. And this is one of the things that, uh, it, it's, it's been interesting to, again, the, one of the data points when we took the survey, we learned is that there's a reason why us as a church, why we, the number one, there's three big reasons why we do not share our faith, why we don't engage in the Great Commission. The first reason is this, and, and, and about a third of the, of the group of, of our church said this, I don't know any non-believers. My life, I'm around believers all the time. And so one, one of the things, the realities is we have got to ask God to change and to disrupt our lives. So we start hanging around non-believers, that God brings people into our life that we can share Jesus with. And, and, and that's the first reason. The second reason is, is fear or they didn't know what to say. You might be like, I'm just scared. I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, I, I'm afraid I'm going to offend someone or, or something like that. And, and, and listen, we're going to help give you answers to some of these concerns. And then the last reason, which I thought was, I appreciate the honesty from many of you. The third reason was simply laziness and apathy. Some of you are saying, listen, I, I don't do this. I don't prioritize it. I'm so focused on myself that I, I just don't live this out. And so we want to help you share your faith. And here, I know what some of you are thinking. And some of you are like, oh man, I don't turn me into an Amway salesman. Right? Like you feel like every single person, you know, like, oh gosh, okay, how am I going to introduce Jesus here? And uh, okay, how? and so you've got this hanging over your head over every single time you talk to someone like, okay, I've got to get Jesus in God. And what that leads to is, uh, crowbar evangelists. You're talking about crowbar evangelists. You're talking with your neighbor like, man, I got to get my oil changed. And you're like, you know what else needs to change, Joe? <laughs> your heart. 
you need a Jesus change more than your car needs an oil change. And he gets on his knees right there. But listen, I'm not asking you to use a crowbar. You know, sometimes we feel like we got to, you know, you know, I got to get Jesus in this conversation. I want to share with you a strategy that I've learned, and, I, and, I've, and we're going to adopt as a church that I believe that everyone can do. It doesn't matter how old you are. I don't care if you're in school or if you're retired. I don't care if, you have, you know, if, you're, if you're super busy. I, I know some of you, the moms with three young kids, you're like, I just tried to brush my hair today, you know? And you're asking me, Ben, to share Jesus with people? I believe that, that when, when this, 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 uh, this strategy that I want to introduce you to is something that anyone can do. It doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus, how little you know Jesus, all of us can do this. And so after changing the letter E to engage, what we're going to do is we're going to challenge you to, to take a one-life challenge. Our next step is to take the one-life challenge. And the one-life challenge is this, that you will bless one person who's close to you but far from God every week, that you will make it a priority that one person close to you far from God that you are going to bless. Now, bless is an acrostic, and it's an acrostic that stands for something. And, and you'll see how, where it begins and where it ends. And so no matter how, how comfortable you are in sharing your faith, you can begin with the B and eventually work your way down to S. But all of us, every single one of us, here's what I know, all of us can bless someone. The B stands for begin with prayer. So you see, already see how prayer and evangelism are coming together. We believe this. It's not just about you know, you, you know, trying to be an Amway salesman. It begins with us saying, God, who is the person who's close to me and far from God that you want me to share Jesus with? Or maybe it's just this. For, for so many of us, God, bring someone into my life that doesn't know Jesus. You know, one of the greatest things that you could do with the great, this one life challenge is that God finally gives you someone that you know, that you call a friend or that, and that calls you a friend, that's far from God. That might be one of the greatest steps that you take through this one life challenge. And so first is begin with prayer, praying for them, praying with them, but you always begin with prayer. The L stands for this listen, that we've got to do a, a really good job of listening to people and, and, and having conversations, getting to know their story, getting to know what they love, what they don't love. And, and one of the things that we've got to do as Christians, we have a horrible reputation of being people who... who uh, We've got all the answers, and we just can't wait to give you our answers. But we don't even know what questions people are asking. And so we've got to start learning how to listen to people, learning to, their, learning to listen to their stories, learning to listen to their, their questions. And that leads us to E. It's eat or exercise. Now, I know everyone can eat in this room. Everyone can eat in this room. And all we're saying is, can you share a meal? Can you share a coffee with someone who doesn't know Jesus? That's all we're saying. Or exercise. And there's Dave Morace, he's a friend of mine. I had lunch with him a few weeks ago. He goes to this church. He works on the security team. And he was telling me a story how when he goes to work out at the gym every day, he's got his water bottle. And his water bottle, he's got one sticker with the cross and one sticker with, with uh, the Patriots. And when people walk by him, they're like, I like your sticker. He's like, which one? That's his, that's his conversation to begin introducing a spiritual conversation with people. I don't care what you do, but listen, people's walls fall down when you share a meal with them, when you go on a walk with them. God begins to move. And that leads us to our next S, and that's serve. You know, one of the, one of the things that I believe if we were to look back 
and see and think about how COVID has changed us as a, not just as a church, but as a population, COVID has turned us inward, where all we do is think about us. And, and, and it's not just COVID, it's our, it's our devices. And, and so we're just consumed. And how many times are you in public places where everyone's just kind of like this? No one's talking to one another. And so one of the ways that we can be salt and light in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, is just look for opportunities to serve. Look for ways that we can encourage. Look for ways that, where people need help. That we are going to be people who love to serve people first. That people get a taste of the love of Jesus, a taste of blessing, so that they understand why we do what we do. And the last S is share Jesus. And notice how this, it's a really, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that you walk down and you begin with prayer and then just take the next step. But all of us, every single week, what we want to ask the question is, who did you bless this week? Someone, who did you bless that was far, far from God but close to you? And if we continue to ask that question, you know, we're going to take this one life challenge from, we're going to have an enlistment time beginning in October. October 9th and 16th is when we get, we're going to ask you guys to sign up. Because we're not, we're not going to start this next week. We want you to pray about this. We want you to ask the Lord and say, God, do you want me to do this? And number two, who do you want me to do this with and to? And so we are asking you to pray. And then when we enlist everyone on the 9th and the 16th of October, after that, for six months, up until Easter, what we're asking you to do is to take this challenge with us that every week you will look to bless someone. You're saying, I don't even know where, what to be, where to begin. Yeah, you do. Begin with prayer. You're saying, I don't meet many people. Begin with prayer. You, everyone can pray for someone. Everyone, everyone can bless someone. And so that's what we're going to do. One of the things that we're also going to do, uh, once we do this, you might be saying, well, I don't, how do I do this? I have questions. We're going to provide resources to help you do this so that you're not alone. We're not going to just say, hey, go out here and do it. Every single Sunday starting in October, on October 9th, we're going to have a One Life station out in the lobby where you can go and get help. We're going to have coaches out there that anytime you meet someone or maybe you're like, my neighbor's a Buddhist, what do I do? Right? And or I, I, someone asked me this question, I don't, know what, how, I don't know how to respond. We're going to have coaches out there every single Sunday for you to go to and say, help me with this. And not only we're going to have coaches every week, we're going to have classes for throughout the next six months to help train and equip you guys so that you can know how to do this. Now, I believe this is so simple, you might not need it, but if you're saying, I want to really know how to do this and know how to do this well, we're going to provide some classes for you throughout the next six months so that you can sign up and you can learn how to do this in a better way. But this is something that I believe that God wants us to do. And this is something I believe that we can do. And I believe this is something that we can do together. So, two questions for you. Two questions and then we're done. The first question is this. Whose plan are you carrying out? Whose plan are you carrying out? Listen, I'm not, I don't want you just to add prayer and evangelism to your life. This is about reorienting our lives to Jesus, to his glory and to his honor. And I'm, this is not about adding anything. This is about a reorientation of our plan so that God 
God, God doesn't look down at your life. God doesn't look down at Life Fellowship and says, you're carrying out a plan, but not by my spirit. You're carrying out your own plan. There's some repentance that needs to happen in this room this morning where we need to say, God, I've been doing things, I've been doing my things my way. And maybe I've been trying to do your things my way, but it's always been my way. It's been my plan. And what God reminds us of is in returning and rest, you shall be saved. God's calling us to return to him this morning. And we've got, listen, we've got so many more exciting things that we want to put our minds and our hearts and our actions to. But we've got to get this right first. And that's not going to happen until we start carrying out God's plan. Second question is this. Will you join us on this mission? Will you join us? Listen, I'm glad so many of you, you know, the responses, so many of you love this church, you enjoy this church, you enjoy the Bible studies and the sermons and the worship, and you love what we do here. But it's time for us to do more. And I'm asking you to get out of, let's get out of our comfort zones. Let's get out of the, the routine. Let's do this for God. He's worthy.